0: You're listening to The Sport Market, the stock market of sport. Here's your host, Tom Mayonecht.
1: North America-wide, the business of sport this weekend is a much smaller business of sport than it was a week ago. Of course, Super Bowl Fifty Eight. Dominating as the gold medal story on the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits, our top three sport business stories of the week. And really, it's been that case pretty well since the first Thursday after Labor Day weekend. Uh, The NFL is absolutely king of television in the United States. Uh, we've talked about this before last year, 93 of the top 100 most watched American television shows were NFL games. The most watched telecast ever on record, 123.7 million average national audience in the United States. Uh, that was on CBS uh, Sports last week. One hundred twenty. Million of that on CBS Sports, uh, 2.3 million on the Spanish language Univision, and 1.2 million uh, kids and their moms and dads watching on Nickelodeon with the slime and some other fun and games. And give the NFL full credit. They obviously do that on Christmas Day uh, and now doing it on the Super Bowl weekend will only bond young viewers to the Super Bowl in particular in NFL in general, uh, over the course of the, uh, the years to come. You had a 43.5 household rating. That means that 43.5% of televisions were basically uh, tuned into the Super Bowl in the U.S. There was an 83 share, which means that 83% of the TVs in use during that window we're tuned in to the Super Bowl. And something that not enough of us are talking about, in my view, is just how big a deal the Super Bowl, in particular in NFL football in general, has become in Canada. You had an average Canadian audience of 10 million watching, and you do a per capita basically build out on that. The United States is 9.3 times the size of Canada. So uh, if you if you take canada that 10 million you multiply it by 9.3 you've got 93 million that is remarkably within striking distance of the 123 million american audiences and we just know how ingrained in american pop culture the super bowl is it's become the biggest annual sports event in Canada. And it's been that way since 2010. February of 2010, when Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts lost to Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints in that Super Bowl, it was the first time that the Super Bowl uh, drove a national audience that was more than the Grey Cup. And ever since then, the Super Bowl has built on it. Make no mistake, the Grey Cup is still an important... Proposition on our landscape, but it, it it no longer is the number one annual sport television event uh, in Canadian television. That is now firmly the Super Bowl. And I'll I'll say this: it's remarkable to me if you think that the the. Numbers of 123, 124 million in the U.S. Are, are 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 big. I think the global audience will be the biggest ever this year, and it should reach uh, a cumulative uh, viewership of about 200 million, maybe 180 million worldwide. But then in terms of total cumulative reach, people watching some or all of the Super Bowl, uh, I think it's going to get to about, 250 to 275 million. Now, that's still not the biggest sports event in the world on an annual basis. That is the UEFA Champions League final, which tends to do between 300 million and 450 million um, uh, reach in terms of their audience. So the Super Bowl is by far the biggest in North America, but it is the second biggest on the planet behind only the UEFA Champions League final. Super Bowl is just one of the sport business storylines that we're going to be kicking around this hour on the sport market. We'll roll out the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits. We will also get to our Bulls and Bears, the biggest winners and losers in the business of sport. And we'll be joined by the one and only Daryl Sittler. One of the most beloved Toronto Maple Leafs of all time, the former captain, uh, talking about retirement, talking about how the business has changed. Uh, He was a guest this weekend and is a guest this weekend on Pastime Radio, the collectible show. We wanted to bring you part of that interview here on the sport market, we'll also be joined by John Festinger talking the good, the bad, and the ugly in the business of sport. We'll check out some penny stocks, some of the smallest board business storylines that could make it to the big board in coming weeks and months. And we'll be joined by comedian Torben Rolfson for a lighter side take on the business of sport. The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport. But we'll kick things off with our podium.
0: Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to the thesportmarket.biz.
1: Bronze medal story, number three sport business story of the week. It's about women in broadcasting. Jenny Cavalar. Named by NBC California as Major League Baseball's first primary play-by-play commentator, she'll call games for the Oakland Athletics. Which is the only downside here—not to take anything away for the Athletics, but they're in a real twilight zone of relocation here. But certainly, Jenny Cavalar making history this spring. Uh, she will be the first primary in Major League Baseball history.
2: Gosh, sports for me growing up, I think, was just background noise. You know, my dad was a high school baseball coach, and uh, we didn't leave it at the field, I'll tell you that much. Uh, There was a lot of conversations at the dinner table. Sometimes uh, they might have been my earliest reporter moments. I would ask my dad, uh, Why did you bunt there? Or why didn't you bunt there? And second guess, the dinner table. So um, I think it was just always something we had uh, in common. I mean, I, I remember sitting down watching Monday Night Football with my dad. It was kind of our thing. And it was the first time I saw Melissa Stark on the TV as the sideline reporter and probably the first time that I really started dreaming about being a sports broadcaster because I saw a woman who looked a lot like me and sounded like me and talked sports the way I liked to.
1: Jenny Kavlar, the first primary play-by-play commentator in Major League Baseball history. That'll all happen officially this spring. And the silver medal position, our podium named after Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, and we'll put it out there, and we'll talk more to John Festinger about this later this hour, but... He is transforming the look and feel into a much younger look and feel of the NBA. Just check out the Glass Interactive Court that will be laid down in Indianapolis uh, this weekend. Check out NBA AI in terms of almost cartoon-like application of NBA television. And he said he believes NBA games should look more like video games. And he's moving forward, and that'll engage a whole new audience of young Americans and young Canadians. But in the gold medal position, our number one sport business story of the week, it is the Super Bowl. Not only television ratings in general, but women engagement in particular. And we'll get into all of that as part of our Bulls and Bears.
0: It's time for the Bulls and Bears of sports business. Winners and losers in the business of sports. The fast rising stocks. And the ones who fall fallen.
1: Salt Lake City is the hottest futures market in the business of sport. The host city of the 2002 Salt Lake City Winter Olympics is the favorite to be awarded the rights to the Winter Showcase in 2030. Something to be cited by the IOC later this year. Moreover, though, it's creating a buzz among local sports fans by pushing its own boundaries beyond the Utah Jazz of the NBA and Real Salt Lake of Major League Soccer, the city's only two current Major League franchises. Now, jazz owner Ryan Smith is courting the NHL for a new team and could very well bring the WNBA back to Salt Lake City. They used to be there in the form of the Stars. Meanwhile... The Larry H. Miller Company is making a big push for a Major League Baseball expansion franchise this week announcing plans for a $3.5 billion 100-acre development not far from the Delta Center, the arena where the NBA Jazz play, and America First Field, home of Real Salt Lake. Don't be surprised if Salt Lake has four major franchises in place or pending by the time the Winter Olympics happen in six years. It's been another tipping point week in the rise of women's sports with Iowa Hawkeye Caitlin Clark making the dramatic tray from midcourt to set the all-time scoring record in women's basketball. In the National Women's Soccer League, Bay FC set a world record women's transfer fee in the acquisition of Zambian forward Raquel Kundanyanji for U.S. 789 Meanwhile, the Professional Women's Hockey League, the PWHL, set another attendance record last night at Scotiabank Arena with Toronto beating Montreal 3-0 before a sellout crowd of 19,285 at Scotiabank Arena. And to top it all off, as we mentioned in our podium, NBC California has named Jenny Kavnar the first primary play-by-play commentator in Major League Baseball history. She'll call games for the A's. Yet the most bullish influencer in the business of sport this week was 34-year-old pop superstar Taylor Swift. We suggested last week that she'd be this year's Super Bowl business MVP and she was exactly that. Fueled in part by the reach of her 460 million social media followers, Super Bowl 58 set a new per minute average viewership record of 123.7 million Americans. Smack crashing the existing record by 7%, and delivering a female audience that checked in at a record 47.5%. The overall 18 to 34 demographic was the largest in Super Bowl history, while overall female viewership was up 9%, with female teenagers up 11%, and female millennials, in particular the 18 to 24s, up 24%. That's not a bad performance for a total of 54 seconds of airtime during the game in Las Vegas, especially after Swift did a 10-hour flight back from her Saturday night concert performance in Tokyo. And our Bears of the Week, arguably... The most meaningful thing Swift did this week was a donation of $100,000 to the family of Lisa Lopez Galvin, the local re- radio DJ who lost her life in the tragedy that was the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl celebration parade Wednesday. The senseless shooting that also injured at least 29 others, it definitely cast a pall over the Chiefs repeat championship. It made the parade that drew $1 million, typically the ultimate celebration and escape for fans, The exact opposite. Those are our bulls and bears this week in the business of sport. Always a big winner. He'll join us next. Daryl Sittler, the former Toronto Maple Leaf captain, talking about how business of hockey has changed and in particular, how the collectibles business has changed. That's next, right here on the Sport Market.
0: You're listening to the Sport Market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mannett. Here comes Clark.
1: How will she go for history? There it is! The all-time leading scorer in women's college basketball. Part of the reflection of the rise of women in sport is that most American commentators are suggesting that Caitlin Clark is the biggest name right now in college basketball period. Men's And women. Safe. One of the biggest names in Toronto Maple Leaf history, the former captain, Daryl Sittler. We had a chance to sit down and talk to him during Pastime Radio, the collectible show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. And we asked him, how much has the business of hockey changed? How much has the business of hockey changed (coughs) from your vantage point in the last 20, 30 years?
3: Well, it's changed a lot. I mean, uh, you know, and and I respect the game. Uh, the, the, the the guys that played before me, guys that, you know, they had to shut the down the league down in the, in the in the wars for players to go fight for their countries and stuff like that, and then come back and not make a lot of money. And and uh, when I came in the '70s, expansion happened, but. What changed our game in the 70s when the World Hockey came along? When there's a second league, I mean, my, my salary went from 29,000 to 160,000 bucks a year back in the, in the you know, 73, 74, so to speak. So, obviously now the game is growing a lot. Um, there's so many more teams. All the Europeans, like Boreas Alming, was the first Swede coming over in the 70s, and <clears throat> I mean he had a rough road uh, to hole with uh, the attitude of. A mentality of our uh, North American players. Uh, it, was a, it was a physicality thing, a big bullying type of thing, but those things have all changed. And the game's growing; it's faster. Young kids learn all that at a much younger age than I did. Conditioning, dieting, uh, off ice training in the summertime. But it's it's a good game. It's a fun game to watch. And uh, I've always believed that uh, um, if you find something you love doing, and hockey is a fun sport then why not play it? It makes me good to feel uh, the, the the women's uh, female game is growing the way it has. My daughter played uh, minor hockey when it first started against boys, and uh, she took a beating because she was Daryl's daughter. She was a good player, but then when they had their own leagues, she went on and played college hockey, played for the U.S. Women's National Team. So all those opportunities are there, but the main common goal Is why the game is growing. It's a fun sport, and and you learn a lot through um, life skills through playing a sport of hockey and other sports. So that's what I like to see, and uh, you know um, I really admire the skill of these young guys like Connor it up in Edmonton there, and Connor Bedard uh, on our team, Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. Um, They're fun to watch. Very skillful. Um, I've always believed that there's. The, the things that the fans like in the game, they like those skilled players, but the element of fear and courage is a, is a, is a part of the game, you know? And, and if a player has the, the guts and the courage to drive to that net, knowing that he might get hit or going to the corner, then you as a fan can feel those sorts of emotions in the game. And to me, it's important to, to continue to have that for the game to be as exciting as it is
1: to watch just a couple more minutes with Daryl Sittler, the former Toronto Maple Leaf great reflecting on his career, the business of hockey and the hobby of hockey. Uh, Daryl, what does it mean to you after all these years to be one of the most coveted autographs in hockey in particular and, and, and sport in general here in Canada and, and what kind of connection uh, are you still able to maintain with fans from, you know, your grassroots to the, the, the present?
3: Well, um, uh, you know, w- w- what's happened, uh, like the the business of hockey is growing, but what you're talking about, the memorabilia business, the cards, the collectible, the jerseys, all those things have, have uh, grown too with the interest of the game, and uh, there's a lot of money in, involved in that. And to me, it's not all about money, but you don't want to be taken advantage of, and, and fair is fair, and I think we all kind of have whatever status of player you are. There's a There's a you know, a snack bracket or market for each one of us. And if you can kind of figure that out and be satisfied with it and, and your, your fan base or your memorabilia base are, then, then, you know, that's the key. Um, I'll tell you a little story. Um, uh, quite a while ago, I think it was 89, 90. Um, Mike Leonetti came to me as a writer. He wrote books. He's a big hockey fan and he wanted to do a book called my leaf sweater because there was a, A book in Montreal called The Sweater to do with Rocket Richard and the Crest. Well, I said, sure, I'd love to do that. And he did it on my 10 point game. I didn't get paid to do it. I just did it as a, you know, because I wanted to be part of a child's book. Well, that book became very popular across Canada. It's in, I think, in most of the schools. But these young kids who their grandma gave it to them because they were a Leaf fan or their dad gave them this book, My Leaf Sweater, I became their favorite player, even though I had been retired 15, 20 years. And all these years later now, that book that the d- dad gave it to the son or the grandson, they're getting me to sign it to give it back to them and thanking him. So to me, that I li- love all that kind of stuff, you know, if you can give back, but, but if you can put a smile on somebody's face and uh, everybody kind of benefits from it, then why not do it? So I'm coming out. I haven't been out to BC for a while. I <clears> know <throat> past time they're in that business, and I'm looking forward to meeting a number of people out there and sign their personal items and and sometimes people want them personalized sometimes people don't but uh, I'll do whatever uh I'm ask of, and and uh, it's fun to be a part part of it all and and it's nice to see it grow I I think I think I I never underestimate the fact that hey I'm t- 73 years old I've been out of the game for a long time but but yet uh it's it still feels all fresh and new when I get out and meet people and and, and be a part of something for sure
1: Of course, we're talking March 23rd, 3 p.m. at the Langley location of Pastime Sports and Games. More information at pastimesports.ca. Daryl, last one for you. You mentioned the connection to Jean Beliveau and how you idolized in him when you were growing up. Do you remember your first card that you opened it up and you got it and it just, felt like it was so special, your, your most coveted card. Do you remember that very first card?
3: You know what? I don't remember my first card, but I'll tell you an interesting story. So my dad was a crane operator, seven, uh, eight kids in our family. We couldn't afford to go to Maple Leaf Gardens to watch a Leaf game, but somehow he got a pair of tickets for an exhibition game in Kitchener near my hometown. It was in September. Blackhawks were playing the New York Rangers. And after the game, it was a, it was a school night, And my dad and I and my brother are waiting for the players to come out. And I had a piece of paper and a pencil to get an autograph. And a number of players just walked by me, didn't stop, went onto the bus, and I hadn't, you know, my heart sunk in disappointment. But then finally, two guys stopped. Bobby Hall signed it and Andy Bathgate. He was the captain of the Rangers. And I'll always remember that moment of having that autograph, taking it to school the next day. But my message there his first impressions are lasting, you know, and I'll always remember that. And I tell Bobby all about it and Andy Bathgate. I got to know those guys. And to me, that was, was so important. So now I'm the guy out there to be stopped and asked for an autograph. I go back to when I was a little kid and the meaningful moment I had. The other thing that sticks out, I talked about Jean Beliveau. Um, my wife, uh, Wendy, she died of colon cancer in 2001. And I lived in East Amherst, New York. It was the morning of her funeral and my phone rang, and I picked it up. It was about 10.30 in the morning. I pick it up, and it says, Daryl, it's Mr. John Beliveau. I want you to know I'm thinking of you on your most difficult day of your life. And I'll always remember that call. John went and found my number from whoever to make sure he called me to uh, pass on his condolences and his respect for me on that tough day. So there was my idol, still my idol today. His picture does sit in my home, even though I'm a Maple Leaf uh, because of the man who is. And, uh, and to me that's uh you know that's so meaningful for me no different than Terry Fox uh I was his hero as a kid growing up in Port Coquitlam he liked something about what I did and Bobby Orr did and he wanted the opportunity to meet me and I'd love to meet him as much as so and his picture sits in my home and there's not a time goes by to think hey I can do a little more too if Terry could do this he sacrificed his life he was dealt some adversity but he made such a difference in so many people's lives today. I think there's been close to a billion dollars raised and, and Terry Fox still lives on. My grandkids and, and it's in 50 countries of the world do that run every September and uh, I'm so proud to have had the opportunity to meet Terry Fox.
1: That is former Toronto Maple Leaf Captain Daryl Sittler. You can catch the entire interview on Pastime Radio, The collectible Show, and also by following us on X at the Sport Market, T-H-E, Sport Market. Next up, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly practices in the business of sport with John Festinger. That's coming next right here on the Sport Market, on the Sportsnet Radio Network and the Sport Market Radio Network.
0: Of the sport market rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business
1: um, I like the the intent I think uh, the way that the game ended, I don't think there was any like it was unnecessary a little bit for. Ridley Gregg to do this and, and I love his spunk I love his gumption that he plays with but that's a little bit showy and Morgan comes over and how many times have Leaf fans wish uh, set, Leaf fans said before I wish we would see more emotion out of Morgan Riley out of Mitch Marner out of Nylander well here's your emotion right here now yeah, the cross-check does get high and in the head. So it's like the Perron thing who got six games. Like, I like the intent, going over and sticking up for what you think is fair. But, you know, obviously we try to keep those cross-checks away from the head as much as possible, Jen. Kevin Biexa of Hockey Night in Canada on Sportsnet and the CBC talking about the Morgan Riley suspension. And it's one of the things we're going to get into, but make no mistake, another example of unpredictability. Uh, just when you think the NHL will get a little bit more consistent, they throw the book at Morgan Riley. I personally think it could merit merited a suspension as a warning shot, given his clean slate of prior, prior history, but uh, five games. Not sure, not sure, I can connect the dots on that. John Festinger of Chandler Fogden Lyman joins us in studio to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. But before we get to those good, bad, and ugly practices in the business of sport, our gold medal story on the sport market podium funded by Alpine Credits, television numbers coming out of Super Bowl. And not just television numbers, but a record audience of 47.5%. Think of it. What used to be an 80-20 male domain now had 47.5% of the audience being women and especially prominent in the 12 to 17s and the 18 to 24s. That is the swift lift. We were projecting it for weeks leading up to Super Bowl 58. But another part of the swift lift Are off-the-chart social media numbers, 1 billion video views. You heard me right. 1 billion video views on Paramount Plus and CBS Sports TikTok channels alone. John Festinger, what's more impressive to you, the world record television audience for a Super Bowl or the fact that social was so off-the-charts?
2: Well, I, I'm going to go with the television numbers only because of those female numbers. Um, that is phenomenal for the NFL. That is phenomenal for uh, for the sport of football. Um, it, it creates, you know, you 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 get equality by having everybody watching the game. And this is a really good start. The challenge for the NFL, and I'm not suggesting they're not up to it, but it is a real challenge, is how do you keep that demographic in? And what storylines are you going to follow? Now, nobody's better at storylines than the NFL, but that is firmly their challenge. And it's a great challenge to have. I'm sure they are thrilled beyond belief. Uh,
1: What? I don't think enough people are talking about is how big the Super Bowl has become in Canada. You had 123.7 million average national audience south of the border, but you had a 10 million Average national audience here and a aggregate audience of 19 million Canadians. So one of every two Canadians was basically watching some or all of the Super Bowl. uh, And an average of 10 million were plugged in from start opening kickoff to the presentation of the Lombardi uh, trophy. I'm projecting that the global audience, the non-American audience, will be about 60 to 70 million. It could hit as high as 80 million. It's remarkable to think that Canada, as one country, represents one seventh of the non-American, non-domestic TV numbers.
2: Yeah, no, it, it, it the the worldwide growth is significant. Is it significant enough that FIFA is going to start looking over their shoulders? Is the interesting thing. But if if the NFL can build the women's audience. Worldwide, if they can carry that North American demographic that they had in the last Super Bowl and start applying it to the world, because let's not forget, Taylor Swift is a worldwide superstar. Now you start seeing the makings of a very interesting strategy um, that, you know, won't put them on par with with FIFA for a while, but at least gives them a fighting chance, which I, I don't know about you, but have given them any fighting chance five years ago of really competing on a global stage.
1: So let's say they hit 200 million global audience. Uh, That will still be south of the UEFA Champions League final, Uh which is the only annual sports event that draws more than the uh, Super Bowl and that's been so since 2010 uh, about 300 million to 450 million is the reach of the UEFA Champions League final each May.
2: And, and you know but they're in they're in the conversation. This also helps the NBA. You know, once we see these trends coalescing and we see, you know, how to build um, on the demographics, I think it's going to change all sports, and, and the NF, and, and the NBA is in a very good position. You've already discussed that on, on the show today.
1: Um, it'll be very interesting to see what the NHL can do, if anything. John Festinger, Tom act here, along with Tino Farah in studio, shifting to the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the good is Netflix and its documentaries. Boston Red Sox are next up for Netflix treatment. These are great things for fan engagement, and the Boston Red Sox is a very good pick, given their national following in the United States.
2: Well, Netflix finally has developed a sports strategy, and we can sort of thank Formula One where they kind of lucked into it, but it worked. Drive
1: to Survive. They,
2: they, they lucked into Drive to Survive, but they made it work. They now have a NASCAR series. They have a Red Sox series. Um, uh, they, they did the Michael Jordan series. Um, this is a very, very good thing. And, and I know that's going to sound strange, Tom, but I'm still lamenting and crying about the demise of Sports Illustrated. And if Netflix becomes the new storyteller of the deeper long form, at least for me that's a really good place.
1: And hopefully that's the destination for the likes of Greg Bishop of Sports Illustrated and SI.com. He's such a brilliant guy, uh, one of our favorite guests here on the sport market. Uh, And essentially, uh, he, like everyone else, received those 90-day notices uh, about a month ago. It really is a shame. It's iconic. But um, uh, that is the ultimate compliment that you can award Netflix if they can become that long-form story tell her that way good practices in the business of sport it's our opening bell commentary we've had stories on the podium funded by alpine credits about women in sport two things for you above and beyond our podium story of jenny Kavnar becoming the first major league baseball play-by-play caster in a primary position she'll do so with the oakland athletics for as long as they're in oakland and hopefully a big career after that caitlin clark Iowa Hawkeyes, basically sets the all-time NCAA women's basketball scoring record. And um, then on Friday night at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, the PWHL showdown, the Battle of Bay Street between Toronto and Montreal, which Toronto wins 3-0, is before a sellout audience of 19,285, another record for women's hockey. Uh, we've been talking about this being a tipping point since 2015 in the FIFA Women's World Cup here in Canada. Uh, but this is now going to the next level, John.
2: It's, it's a huge deal. Um, we've been watching it build slowly. Um, you know, I've I haven't always agreed that it has reached the tipping point, uh because we've had various discussions of tipping points on the show. I think we are now at the tipping point and you didn't even mention Taylor Swift. I know she's a fan and not a player, but um what we're talking about is bringing women into sports and making sports viewing and sports playing uh, 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 much more equal than it was, and she does have a role to play in that, and she proved that in the Super Bowl. So uh, you know I know Kavnar, Clark, and Smith sound uh, and 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 uh, and Swift sounds like a law firm, but it's actually a lot more than that.
1: and uh, Raquel uh, Kunda Nanji of FC, uh, the Zambian. Acquired for a transfer fee of $789,000 in the National Women's Soccer League. That's a record. All these things Mm -hmm. are trending in the right direction. Bad Oakland A's being in the twilight zone of uncertainty, the twilight zone of relocation. They're not necessarily getting a red welcome Matt. rolled out for them in las vegas they've got some work to do there Uh, some people suggesting including billy bean that the a's ownership should re-engage with the city of oakland Uh, that kind of uncertainty is both unfair and painful for fans but it's not good for the business of major league baseball
2: no it's not good you know baseball had a good year last year it doesn't need um ownership team location controversies. It needs to run as smoothly and with as much certainty as possible so that it recovers to what it can be. So, uh, you know, am I sorry to see uh, the A's leave Oakland because, you know, it, it, there, there is a certain iconic element to that team? Absolutely. Um, hopefully they settle into Vegas or something else happens.
1: So the good... Super Bowl women's viewership, Caitlin Clark and women in sport in general, Netflix and the Boston Red Sox, the bad, the uncertainty that continues to dog the Oakland Athletics, the ugly, and it's such a tough subject to talk about the shooting in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, not the first time this has happened this year or over the last 12 months. But this is almost even more sacred ground, a celebration of fans trying to get away from the stresses of day-to-day life. What happens? The shooting, uh, uh, unfortunately, takes the celebration in a very different way.
2: Um, Sad, pathetic, um, fueled by ridiculously permissive gun laws in the United States. Um, But what is it with fans that we have to ruin a good thing. Um, And it happens time after time in celebrations of championships or um, mourning of losses. We've certainly seen that as well. Uh, I I think we've got to do a whole lot more work uh, on a systemic basis to understand the causes of violence and fandom, not restrict that just to looking at soccer and European hooliganism and understand it in a North American way, um, in a real way, and, and do education and take proactive measures within fandoms. And the teams have the platform's With which to do it. And the leagues have the platforms with which to do it. I have not seen a celebrate safely, celebrate thoughtfully ad from any team in any major sport. I think it's time.
1: We're going to keep John Festinger in studio for our penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business store, unless it could make it to the big board in the coming weeks and months. We'll also check in on the group of seven, the seven Canadian-based franchises in the National Hockey League and uh, what to watch for in this stretch run to this National Hockey League season. Uh, If you enjoy rating and debating the Bulls and Bears of sport business as much as we do, you can follow us on X at the sport market, T-H-E sport market. You can also download our podcasts at sportsnet.ca, search out the sport market, and uh, also look for uh, the sport market podcast where you get your best sport content. A lighter side take is what we welcome in at this point. Here's Torben Rolfson.
0: The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. Super Bowl 58, the most watched telecast ever. Commercials were $7 million
1: for a half minute. Nobody's paid that much for 30 seconds since the Jets signed Aaron Rodgers. McCole Hardman caught the winning TV pass in Ote. He was the only Jet going into the season that lived up the preseason Super Bowl champ predictions. And according to market researchers, Taylor Swift this season elevated viewership of 12- to 17-year-old girls by 53%. Unfortunately, Jason Kelsey's topless beer chugging dropped at 68%. When is Wayne Newton playing the sphere? Have they done that yet? Mattress Mac had the Texans in the Super Bowl. Nice try. Go to sleep on that, buddy. Jim Nance and Tony Romo said they had a partial streaker in the third quarter.
0: Was it Usher? You've been listening to The Rolfson Report. The comedy of sport. A special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com. Slash the sport market. You're listening to the sport market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Mayonecht. I don't know if you can really script it any better, and uh, I thought we played really well tonight, and that our defense could have been a little better. But um, just to do it in this fashion, I'm very grateful. I'm very thankful to be surrounded by so many people that have kind of been my foundation and everything that I've done since I was a young little girl. And um, I started crying when watching that video just because, like, I'm I'm just filled with so much gratitude and love, and um, the way the fa- these fans support women's basketball is so much special. is so special, and. Uh, I mean, you
1: all knew I was going to shoot a logo three for the record. Come on now. Caitlin Clark of the Iowa Hawkeyes, now the all time leading scorer in NCAA women's basketball. And she did it in style with that logo three. Just. Unbelievable stuff and what an impact. Uh, uh, Tickets four times face value to watch her play is becoming common uh, stance and it is all part of a great, another great week for women's sports. Professional Women's Hockey League last night at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto, 19,285. A lot of good stuff happening. As we shift gears into our penny stocks, some of the smaller sport business storylines to keep your eye on in the coming weeks and months, it is the weekend of the Daytona 500, uh, one of NASCAR's crown jewels. John Festinger, of course, in studio from Chandler, Fogden, Lyman. John, very simple question. It tends to be that the Daytona 500 sets the stage for the year. You have a really good audience. You tend to have it the rest of the way. They struggle coming out of the gates. They struggle to gain momentum. What are you seeing out of NASCAR as a penny stock going into 2024?
2: Well, I think what you're seeing is that there's a new generation of young drivers. And they, uh, NASCAR needs them to succeed and develop uh, major fandoms. Um this is a year where Chase Elliott who had a bad year last year because he was injured and wasn't in the championship hunt and who and and he is probably NASCAR's biggest star right now uh he's back and Um, that his potential dominance may be the best news for NASCAR going forward.
1: Another penny stock, the Waste Management Open in Phoenix. Of course, kudos and shout-out to Nick Taylor winning again in a playoff. Now, this has always been a party event on the PGA Tour, but I think this year went off the charts to the point where my view is that there's going to be some pushback in terms of the amount of liquor consumed, about the amount of partying. They've gone from zero arrests in 2022 to 54 arrests this year arrests not just ejections which are 211 of them but arrests uh do you see the pga tour and the event organizers finally having to clamp down at least a little bit on that party atmosphere
2: well i think the safety of the players and the safety of the fans have to be a primary concern so um you know Having a great party, people having a great time uh, works. But over serving, which is clearly what causes this. Um, if you create, look at some of
1: the videos, yes.
2: Creates clear legal problems. Um, and potential for negligence. So it is unwise um, for the organizers to continue on this path.
1: Very quickly, last penny stock. It's an NHL hockey penny stock. It's a Canadian hockey penny stock. Vancouver Canucks at 80 points. Winnipeg, the seventh best record in the league. Toronto and Edmonton at 12 and 13. There's four Canadian teams locked in, it looks like, for playoff position. Will this set a record for media impressions scoreboard watching on devices given those four markets in play?
2: I I, I think so. Um, you know, the, the 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 difficulty with that only is that those four teams have separated themselves somewhat and are not in enough danger that people are gonna be watching, you know, absolutely game to game and period to period. But still there are four teams um and it's exciting and it's really interesting. So yes.
1: Four Canadian teams has always been my over-under. You get four teams out of the seven in the playoffs. You give your rights holders, your sponsors, and most importantly, your fans, plenty to work with. You've been listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network.